0: positioning. We're going to talk about three resolutions for a new year. One of the ways we often think about uh, life is also, you know, beyond just the idea of marking it, which we do, That's why we mark a new year. But we also think of it like life is like a journey. You know, you hear a lot of people say, well, our life is like a journey. And I think it is. And we're, on a, we're embracing a new year's journey. And uh, we're going to come to a point at the end of this time, if, if we've been allowed to live it, where well, we're going to look back and say, oh, say, well, how, did, how did this year go? And there are certain years that stand out for us. We look back and we say that was that was a year that was just so hard, or we might say that was an amazing year, a year of breakthrough and transition, a year in which I learned so much and God really taught me some things. Where I learned things about myself, where my character began to get changed, or began to pay attention to things that in the past I hadn't been paying attention to. Let me, just stay with me one more one more time on this. I think a lot of times, depending on where we are in our life stage, I've been thinking about this. There are different challenges. You know, some of you are younger, you're, you're just maybe coming out of school, you're still finishing up school, you're beginning in to move into a professional life, you're starting into a vocational life for the first time, or you can see it coming, and that can be scary. And a lot of times this adjustment into what becomes sort of the responsibility of adulthood uh, can be a little bit intimidating, and, and yet it's one of those seasons in our lives where we can begin to ask different kinds of questions. And oftentimes we can avoid major mistakes and detours that take us down paths that were not God's plan for us to go down by simply doing the things that we're going to be looking at here. That what we're doing has meaning for some of you. And, and if it saves some of you from, and I, and I, from moving down a path that ultimately will cost you decades or more, then it, it is so much God's word. In that regard, I mean to say, listen, think about what you're building, think about the path, make decisions that are honoring God, listen for His voice, seek to live as a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman. For those of us who are moving into the middle periods of our lives, and I, you know, and that's sort of where I'm at. Um, you're in these middle places of life, uh, uh, and oftentimes, just being brutally honest, this is where people really do dumb things, and uh, I've seen it too many times. And maybe some of us have, have we've either been participants in doing foolish things, or we've been hurt by others who've done just crazy things at this stage of life, where oftentimes we want to hold on to our youthfulness at all costs and become reckless and rootless. And we lose, we lose a sense of who we are in God. And, and, and so listen, in these times of our lives, these transition places, it's very important to have mooring points, people in our lives who can challenge us in loving ways but in healthy ways Hold us accountable to principles that are going to bring forth good things, and of course, for those of us who are moving into a latter stage of our life, you know, we may maybe we're just coming to a point where we're we're disengaging, uh, we're in, moving into a point of retirement. We don't know how many, you know. More years we have, but we are moving into our advanced years. And I thought, there's a whole different challenge there. One of the, what are some of the challenges that are connected to that? Obviously, some of them have to do with keeping, keeping a heart that stays in love with God, staying, staying youthful in a heart. Even as our body begins to grow older, our heart can stay alive, and, and it can be a tremendous blessing. There are so many things that can be done in advanced years as, in terms of setting an example and a pattern and having time for things. To pay attention in different ways, to give counsel, to, to, to let others be encouraged by the, the life that's been lived, and not to and, and to take full advantage of that seasonal gift. That, I, so I'm talking about generational opportunities. Some of us are younger, 20s and 30s, some of us are in our 40s, 50s, some of us are moving further into the 60s and 70s. I'm being just being honest. I mean, each one of these places, God has a growth plan for us. There is no such thing for a follower of Jesus as stop. Uh, stop growing time. It is a life of continual challenge, of breaking, of, we talk about the breakdown that leads to the, to the break, breakthrough that leads to the breakout. And sometimes God is trying to do a new thing in our lives. So with all my heart and in the name of our Lord, may we listen for his voice and may we seek to live well and make good adjustments. All right. With that in mind, how we start matters. How we start something matters. Now it may not matter more than how we finish. In other words, how we start may not be more important than how we end, but how we start affects how we end up. So in other words, think of it this way, it's true that a good start doesn't necessarily guarantee a good finish or completion or ending, just like a bad start doesn't necessarily guarantee a bad finish or a bad ending. But listen, a poor start makes it harder to finish well just like a good start makes finding uh, it easier to finish well. I'm saying all of that to say this, how we start matters very much. <laughs> it really does. It means something. So this first week of the year is a big deal because some things are gonna get set in motion, even maybe today, that, that are going to affect how we move into the rest of the year. And if we do what I'm hoping we're gonna do, we're gonna spend some time reflecting on what we're sharing. And it is going to, it's gonna make a difference. So starting matters. So I want to think of this entire first month as a starting point. I would like us to make it a priority to ponder the principles of Philippians 4. It's a lot of peace, isn't it? Priority to ponder the principles of Philippians 4 so that we can live with more passion, with more productivity, with more purpose. This is God's plan for us. This is about positioning. I want to talk about it. I want to engage it. We're going to look at one verse from Philippians, the fourth chapter itself because so much of the focus of our study is connected to this book of Philippians. Philippians is one of the most positive books in all the Bible. It was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he had planted. You can read about that planting of that church in Acts 16. It was the church at Philippi. That letter that he wrote, he wrote from a place of confinement. It was Paul's first imprisonment. He was under house arrest at the time. Ten years had sort of passed. It's around A.D. 61. Paul's writing a letter. Let me just put up a little quick map for us to get a little bit of a geographical idea of what we're talking about. There's Philippi. You can see it. You can see the Mediterranean. You can see where Jerusalem is. You can see where the boot of Italy is. You see that? You can see where present-day Greece and Turkey would be. And there's Philippi right up there. Philippi was this amazing church. It was a city where Paul had planted an amazing church. Uh, He... He had uh, called them his joy, a joy. They were a joy to him. In fact, the overriding theme of the letter of Philippians is joy. And so, it, so much of it has to do with how to live a joyful Christian life, a life following Jesus that is filled with joy, no matter what's going on. And, and in the fourth chapter, maybe has the most practical aspect in terms of the insights that it gives us of all the part of the letter the part that's divvied up in that fourth chapter is just jammed with life principles that are going to be helpful to us so kind of keeping that in mind um, let's look at the first verse here Philippians 4 verse 1 therefore my dear brothers and sisters he writes stay true to the Lord please do that I love you I long to see you I wish I could I wish I could come to see you now Paul's saying you are my dear friends for you are my joy and my crown Uh, (laughs) Uh, you're the crown that I receive for my work. What, you know, this is, this is Paul, Paul's way of saying, when he uses the word crown, by the way, in the Greek uh, original language, the Bible is translated from into English, right? There are, sometimes there are multiple words in the Greek that we only have one word for in English. Love is one of those words. There's like four different words for love, and, and we, we just translate love, but there are different words, you know, storge, phileo, eros, different kinds of words that were there connected to it, and agape. But the word crown, same thing. It had two words that were usually used in the Greek. One of those words was the word diadema. It was the idea of a royal diadem, a crown of gold that you would see on a king. It was regal. It was something that was used to refer to something of majesty. But there was another kind of crown. It was the word that is used here. Paul uses it. It's the word stephanos. It really it had to do with a different kind of a crown, more of a wreath some of us might have recognized seeing it you know it was something that was put on a person who won a race at the games it was a it was a green made of vines and of leaves and it was also sometimes used to honor a guest at a dinner and paul says you are my crown you you are something that i am amazingly proud of uh, he had planted this church he had watched them grow from a place where they were essentially you know uh, unbelievers to those who were interested in hearing his message, to where they had become followers of the Lord, and not just followers, but, but growing, vibrant, uh, dedicated, devoted, committed followers of the Lord that, that just was such an encouragement to Paul. You know, he was at a point in his life where he had felt abandoned by a lot of people. And he was, again, sitting in a place of confinement. He couldn't go anywhere. He really couldn't preach the way he wanted to preach. He had, he had been this, uh, you know, a, a guy himself who had been this persecutor of, of Christ and then turns into this stunning, uh, almost uh, radical follower of the Lord who made an absolute decision to take all of his gifts. And there were many because he was a man of considerable intellectual heft who had been a fierce opponent of the cause of Jesus. And because of that remarkable transformation that occurs on the road to Damascus when he meets the Lord and says, I saw the risen Savior, his life is just just stunningly transformed. And he says he threw himself in to this one great purpose, to share this message of Jesus with as many people as he could. And he planted churches all over the Mediterranean world. Philippi was one of those churches, and they were maybe the jewel of his churches because they had supported him so loyally. Through all the ups and downs, they sent him resource. They sent him support. They prayed for him. They were just a wonderful group of people who were amazing, amazingly encouraging to him. So kind of keeping that in mind, I want to take this verse. And I would like us, since we're on the beginning of a new year, and we're all talking about resolutions, at least a lot of people are, I want us to look at this first verse. And then maybe what we can do is interface it with this concept of resolutions, and talk about three resolutions that we can have as we move forward into this new year at its opening week. So let's start with this. Let's resolve, number one, like Paul, to assess and reflect on what we're building. And I've already somewhat alluded to this, but the Apostle Paul was reflecting. He starts out this chapter by reflecting on who they were to him, their meaning, their significance. He's thinking about what he had planted, about the work that he had committed himself to. And he's actually gaining a tremendous amount of satisfaction as he reflects on what is actually happening. He says, you, it's amazing what God is doing in you, and you are such an encouragement to me. And he's, he's gaining strength reflecting on what is happening. Now, I'm going to suggest this, that a new year is a great time. It is a perfect time to reflect and consider what we are building. That our life can be thought of like architecture. And we are architects. We are, in a sense, we are all in the construction business because we're all uh, doing life construction. And when we follow the Lord, we are given tools and resources that does not necessarily guarantee what we're going to build. It just means we have access to certain things that will allow us to build some amazing stuff. And one of the things we see here is that we are encouraged to think about how we are building And think of building. Think of our life as a building in process. You know, there's a a passage of scripture in Proverbs 24, and Proverbs is just filled with wisdom for living. But in Proverbs 24, and I'll put this both in the handout, but we'll put it up here. This is one, one of my favorite verses, because it says, "Through wisdom a house is built." Again, house is a metaphor of life. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, foundationally, and through knowledge its rooms are filled. With, in the older version, it says, rare and precious treasure. The idea of precious and pleasant riches, the idea is it's filled with different exquisite pieces. As we build the house with wisdom, as we establish it foundationally with understanding, and as we fill the house with beautiful things, it's a picture of what a life that is growing with God is intended to really look like. So God calls us to think about how we're building. Again, I talked about our season, where we are in our life. Some of us are in younger places, Think about how you're building. Think about the foundation. There is no such thing as free time. Think about it. We think of free time as our time that's not committed to working, but really, it's, is it really free? I, you know, it's, it's, it's discretionary in the sense that we can do with it what we want. That's kind of what we mean, but all time really is the same amount. And how we live, our life is made up of time, and how we invest that time, what we do with our time, is going to have an effect on things. And so God is constantly reminding us to think about the span of our day. Remember, we're finite beings, and in the midst of our day, however long it will be, we need to think about what we're doing in this life to honor God. And here's the question, am I becoming, how is my, is it time to do some major reconstruction? Are there some places that need to be cleaned out? Because honestly, it's just so filled with clutter right now, and we all know that when things are cluttered and, and, and uh, just packed up, you know what, it, it, it increases anxiety and stress. We know that from studies that one of, the, one of the ways that social scientists suggest that we can reduce stress in our lives is through simplification. This is just a practical rea- reality that when things are organized and, and when we simplify, a lot of times we reduce the stress. Just doing that alone can be a, a stress reducer. Uh, there, are, there are things that we can do in life sometimes that can maybe, maybe it's a time for us to clean something up that we've been wanting to get to. Maybe there's an area of our character that God we're feeling like God is saying, this is the time you need to really pay attention to this. We've been aware of it. We've been thinking about it. But now we need to take some real action. We need to bring some people in. We need to commit ourselves in some very tangible ways. We need to go to work. Maybe some relational issues that we need to pay attention to that we've been neglecting. We hear God tugging at our heart. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. This is important. So God challenges us frequently to think through what we're building. Jesus Himself talked about it. Look at this amazing passage in Luke 14. This is in the handout there. These are the words of Jesus. He said this: For which of you, I'm talking to all of them, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation, he's not able to finish. And then everybody who sees it begins to mock him, Jesus says, saying, this man began to build, but then look, he wasn't able to finish. Now, this is, for one thing right here we see is the reminder that that as much as possible, we are to try to finish things. One of the the things I've, I've tried to do in my life, partly because of what I've heard Jesus say, is when I make a decision to start something, to commit myself to completing it, especially when everything in me wants to quit. Now, there are times where we need to strategically say, you know what, it was a bad move, and I choose to end this. But there are a lot of us that get into the habit of starting things but not finishing. One of the th- and, and again, I'm not saying there aren't things that we're supposed to intentionally let go of. I get that. But we can have a habit in life of not finishing that last 10%. And that last 10% is so meaningful because we may put this huge amount of energy, but we didn't finish it well. And it wasn't what it was meant to be, but it, just that little extra piece would have made it, but we left it undone. We didn't complete it. We didn't take it and put it properly back. We just kind of took it halfway. See, Jesus is talking a little bit about that. He's talking the, the context, actually, of Luke 14 is the cost of discipleship. It has to do with commit yourself. Remember what you're committing yourself to. If you're going to do it, do it. And don't turn back. Count the cost on the front end, Jesus says. Don't just kind of say it. It's better to think it through and then make your decision. Stick with it through the ups and the downs. When it's hard, weigh it out. Jesus is talking about weighing out. Look what he goes on to say. Check this out. He says this. He says, or what king, he shifts the analogy. He says, or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? He's thinking about the odds. He's thinking about the numbers. He's weighing it out. Can I defeat this opponent? If not, he says, Jesus says, or else, while while the other is still a great way off and on his way, mobilizing to come to him, He says he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. And it basically says, "Let's, let's both save ourselves a lot of trouble. What can we do to work this out so we don't have to have this confrontation? Jesus is talking about principles here. One of the principles he's talking about is the principle of assessment. And being a type of person who is thinking through commitments, priorities, um, whether or not I can pay this price, where it's 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 talking about a reflective life, that is it, challenging what we're doing, not just kind of moving through life, but thinking and moving through priorities and commitments, but actually paying attention in ways, listening for the voice of God, interacting, listen, interacting with other people who we know also love us, and at the same time can we can pray together and and pray for one another and encourage one another and run our ideas off of one another. This is a week a time, a month, but especially these days for challenging what it is that we are building? Do I need to make some adjustments? Does my my life as I'm living it reflect the priorities that I believe in? Are these things in alignment increasingly? Is what I'm saying is important showing up in the way that I'm living and giving and, and honoring my commitments? Is, 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 or is there a disconnect? Is there a disconnect between the devotion I, I, I want to have or say I have or believe I have and what is actually happening in my life showing up in a tangible way? Am I just kind of stuck in a rut? I talk about habits a lot. Habits um, can be our friend or, or they can be a tremendous enemy to us. I mean, There are good habits and there are bad habits. Bad habits, that's no good, right? Bad habit, we get that. Bad, we understand, I think we all understand bad habits, try to get rid of them. But you know what? A habit is in itself something we do sort of without thinking. It becomes a kind of a part of our life. A good habit can be a tremendous benefit to us. One of the benefits of ritual in a good sense and habits that are good is that we don't waste a lot of time thinking through. It's a very efficient way of living. The downside to even a good habit, though, is we get stuck in ruts, And we start to disconnect from the why. And all of a sudden, we're doing things that are sometimes even good things. And they're good habits. And it's a good thing for us to do. But we're not really remembering why we did them in the first place. We're not connecting the dots, as I like to say. Reminding myself of the why. Because I love you, Lord. Because honoring you matters to me. It's got to show up in tangible ways. Because this is going to stretch me to want to, to grow past where I'm at. Or it's going to teach me a a discipline to not quit when everything in me wants to run and go try something else. I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to expand. I'm going to do what you want me to do, guys. See, this is what I'm talking about. Secondly, a second resolution right in this verse as well is this whole idea of resolving in our hearts to be a people who not just simply assess and reflect on what we're building, but also... We can be a people who do something else. We can, we can affirm and nurture our meaningful relationships. And the reason I thought this was important is because I looked at what Paul did here. Look at what it, look what's going on. It says this, therefore my dear... Look at the tenderness of these words. This is Paul. This is Paul who's a, a you know, kind of a hardened veteran. And look what he says. He says, therefore my dear brothers... I mean, it really caught me as I looked at it. My dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you. I long to see you. You are my dear friends. You are my joy. I mean, there's this, this vulnerability, this uh, lightness, this tenderness that I see here. I think as we move into this new year, it would be helpful for us to reflect upon our loved ones and upon our friendships, upon our most meaningful relationships, and to remind ourselves of what certain people mean to us and how much our lives are enriched because of them. I have come to consider, as the years have gone by, um, something that I didn't really understand when I was younger. And that is the, the fragile nature of friendship. And friendship, when we have friends, we must consider good friendships, life-giving friendship, affirming and healthy friendships, as tremendous gifts to us, and vice versa. I was reminded of something that uh, Shakespeare uh, you know, said in that in he was talking about, uh, somebody was talking about this quotation from Shakespeare, Henry, the, Henry V, and he said he was talking about friendship and he said, we few, remember he quotes Shakespeare, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. We few, we happy few, we band band of brothers. And he was saying this this writer said, We all need a happy few in our lives. We all need friends who we can can engage and who can engage us and who we can share our life and our pain and our our, the, our love with, who we who we can be uh, be able to to be challenged by and and sharpen one another and be there. It's, 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 I'm telling you right now, I looked at this and I was going, wow, Lord, you know, maybe one of the things we need to be doing is determining to be more expressive in our affection, in our love, in our dearness, in a way that is tangible and genuine. I mean, Paul's doing it here. Paul's basically saying, look, I can't come to you. I'd love to be able to, to see you again. I don't know if I'll make it. But what I can do is I can tell you what you mean to me. And I want you to know that I, I, I think so much of you and I love you, and I long to see you, and you are not just a friend. You are a dear friend. You are wonderful to me, and it's just very. T- I-, I was struck by it because the Apostle Paul is not known someone who was known for his vulnerability. He was not a man that was given to triteness, was he? He was not. He was not someone who was likely to engage in manipulative. Praise and just kind of false flattery, just to do it. His words were honest words. He tended to speak only what he meant. And so it makes, it makes it all the more noticeable when he bears his soul so vulnerably and bays the Philippian people with such affectionate affirmation. And perhaps the Lord would have some of us, listen, push into a new frontier when it comes to vulnerability and affirmation. I'm um, I'm going to suggest that maybe we've been, some of us have been too stingy with our praise and our affection and we've been too prodigal with our criticism. And that one of the things that we can resolve to do by the grace of God is to be a people who are maybe say, I'm going to be less critical by the grace of God at work in my life and I'm going to be more of an affirmer. In fact, I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to seek to be, as Paul was showing us here, a more tender person. And that's what I meant by vulnerability. Maybe for some of us, this is to be a year of tenderness. A year, and I'm not talking about weakness. I understand that. I get it. When we're we're not careful, we can get really hurt. But I'm talking about, Lord, teach me to be a real human being like you were. Because he was strong and amazing. And yet there was a tenderness and a gentleness. We call it meekness that was attended to our Lord's character. That is so beautiful. That it strikes us, and Paul's sort of expressing that. And I think that for some of us, God is calling us to to, to an expansion of kindness in our heart, especially towards people. That, that I don't know what it is, but in our most meaningful relationships, we can easily criticize. We begin to take things for granted. Again, it's that whole idea of a rut, right? You know what I'm saying? And 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 before long, we're not we're not treating it with care. We're not loving it. We're not nurturing it. We're not we're not tender. We're we're sort of expecting things and, 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 and we're not appreciative. And the Lord, I, I, there's something here. One of, perhaps some of us got to say, you know what? Soften your heart. Let your heart be softened by me. Thirdly, lastly, the last resolution that sits here with this verse let's resolve to stay true to the Lord. Maybe this is the most important, obviously, in so many ways. But what was Paul's? What did Paul say? He says, Therefore, my brothers and my sisters, stay true to the Lord. And no matter what this year brings, it can bring a lot of good. It can bring a lot of bad. It can bring some things that we're not expecting. We may find ourselves even stumbling through some things, and it may get hard. It may get hard at some times. And in those places where we we feed, sometimes the hardest battle is to feel that we just, we just, can't do this. We're not good enough. We're, we want to. We're trying, some of us. But there's going to come somewhere along the way, there will come sometimes that temptation to give up, to quit, to quit contending. And uh, the righteous, Proverbs 24:16 says, even if they fall seven times, yet they rise again. Somebody, my grandfather used to tell me when I was just starting out as a follower of Jesus, he, he said, listen, because I was feeling bad one time, really bad, like, They're so ashamed and they go, it's no good. And he said, listen, it's not how many times you fall. It's a simple verse. Not how many times you fall. It's how many times you get up and you get up. You follow. And I never forgot that. Because it's it's not how many times we fail. Sometimes we feel like Peter, right? What do you want with me, Lord? You know, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I got nothing. But the Lord, he will never abandon us. He doesn't give up on us. As long as we're willing, he he will be there All, all the way through. A lot of times we feel like, sometimes we doubt, we doubt that God's even maybe working for us. And one of the reasons I put that whole Jeremiah passage in there was because Jeremiah is so brutally honest with God. He says, why does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as, as uncertain as a seasonal brook like a spring that has gone dry. Lord, I can't depend. I can't depend. Where are you? And then God responds to his emotional prophet by saying, listen, I'm right here. And I'll just we'll just finish by reading this. He says, this is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless, ones you will be my spokesman and a phrase that I think for some of us just take it out and zero it out on its own listen you must influence them do not let them influence you some of us are in places where God is asking us to be an influence for him and to do this skillfully wisely and appropriately this is part of what growth will look like in our lives Lastly, he says, the Lord says to him, they will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you. He had a lot of enemies, Jeremiah. God said, and Jeremiah felt like the Lord wasn't taking care of him. And he says to him, you, I, he says, I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord, I have spoken. And for some of us, guys, just wants to I'm with you. I am with you. Now, you, you grow. This is about, about growth. This is a man working through things in life, real struggles, real pain. Where are you, God? I've tried to honor you. You're not taking care of me. I've served you. Show up. You're, you're as unreliable to me as a, as a brook that can't be counted on. Depends on what season is. Lord, where are you? God says, I'm right with you. I will be there with you. I have not abandoned you. I will teach you how to be strong. I will make you like a fortified city. I will be there for you and with you. I will rescue you this is this amazing promise that he gives and it's a reminder for all of us we're on this adventure of faith and there's going to be times where it's going easy it's going to be times where it's going hard but God calls us to a place of growth stay true to the Lord no matter what when all is said and done when the dust settles stay true to God keep your heart connected to him just like what we did here we started it out this year we're here in this house we're here to learn and hear and listen let that, let that commitment just be centerpiece in our life and let good things flow out. Let me pray. I want to ask God to bless us all. Lord, I want to ask you, because you know what? We, we need you more than we can ever know. And I know that none of us are here by coincidence. You know everything. You know everything that's going on in our life. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what our, our, our dreams are, our plans are, our, our, our struggles, our dark secrets. Nothing hidden from you. Nothing. But you call us to a life of growth and expansion, and I want to ask you to help us, Lord. Maybe some of us you're asking us to, to be more thoughtful, more reflective, to take some time this week to really assess where we are with life and with you and with people. Others of us, Lord, you're calling us to just have a more of a tender heart, to not to not allow our past wounds to sort of dictate our 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 attitudes and, and um, our reactions and our tendencies. But you want to make us into a new man, a new woman. And reshape us, Lord, not based out of our past experiences or even our generational experiences that have been passed down to us. But, Lord, you want to teach us to be more like you and love better, live better. And then, Lord, just to stay true to you, to be a people who are committed, who are not fickle in our faith, who trust you when everything is going our way and trust you as best as we can, as honestly as we can when things are hard. Yeah, they will be at times, but you are with us. So let us grow, let us expand. I pray that you bless our closing song. Let it be just a a final word for us and our time of giving. May you be honored in it as well. But it is our privilege to serve you and to know you, Lord. And we we thank you for this great invitation to this amazing feast we call life with you. We ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.